Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 2, and next Sunday night, Lord willing, we'll be observing the Lord's Supper after our time of worship, and I mention that to you so that this week you will prepare your heart, talk to the Lord about uh, uh, where you're at and what what needs to be confessed, and prepare your heart to uh, come clean and and uh, deal with the deal with the Lord. He's always ready to forgive us. Philippians chapter two, we can have the mind of Christ. The 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 message came out of our men's meeting on men's Bible study on Wednesday night. We were talking about the Christian mind. We're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind. And strength. And so we want to love God with all our mind. One of the ways we do that is by having the mind of Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2 16 tells us that we have the mind of Christ. So I want to look today at what it means to have the mind of Christ, how we can have the mind of Christ, and I'm going to ask you to pay attention to the text, and I'm going to ask you some questions from it. So let me read to you Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11, 5 through 11, and then we will pray and we'll have a series of questions. Philippians 2, 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and hath given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Father, as we examine this passage and we strive, seek to have the mind of Christ, open our eyes to truth, help us to see the, the, the message that is here, and also to understand its application to our lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we read that passage, there are several things that Jesus does, and they all come out of one overriding attitude that Jesus has that's mentioned in the text. So read there through the text again, verses 5 through 8 particularly, and see if you can't identify the one word that led Jesus to do all the other things. What one word would you say is the key uh, to the mind of Christ? Yeah, humble. He humbled himself. It's humility. Uh, The book we are reading and this is what got me thinking about this, says we can pray as a Christian and not have the mind of Christ. We can worship as a Christian and not have the mind of Christ. And I said to the men's Bible today, I said, that's not true. Without the mind of Christ, we cannot pray as God wants us to pray. Now we can pray, but often it's very selfish prayers, isn't it? God, here's what I want. God, here's the things that trouble me. Uh, God, this person's bothering me, make them go away, right? Uh, God, I'm out of money, give me more right? All these things we can pray, but if we want to pray according to God's will, we need the mind of Christ. I, I, don't, I don't think we can worship effectively without the mind of Christ. Now you can come, you can sing the songs, you can say the verses, you can clap your hands and wave your arms, but without the mind of Christ, worship is very man-centered. That's why you'll notice a lot of people might say to you, well, 
you know, I, I'm looking for a church that I enjoy, right? I, I want a church where I like the music. I, I told you about the lady. I'm looking for a church where I like the coffee. You know, if coffee and music is going to be the basis for your church hunt, that seems very self-centered. I want a church where the truth is preached so that I'm changed. That's what I want. We can't love our, I was talking to the men, we can't love our wives as Christ loved the church if we don't have the mind of Christ. Again, we'll be very selfish, very self-centered. We'll come to our marriages as what I can get out of it. We can't evangelize powerfully without the mind of Christ. Now, I was so glad to hear Chuck say, truck driver drives up, hey, are you a religious man? Spend an hour talking about Jesus Christ. Let's be bold in our Willingness to identify with Jesus Christ and let God take those conversations where they will, but we can't evangelize powerfully without the mind of Christ. We can't live the victorious Christian life without the mind of Christ. And when it comes to the mind of Christ, if you take one, now I hope you'll take more away, but if you take one thing away today, understand that in this passage, the focus is the humility of Jesus Christ. Now, what are some ways, from the passage again, what are some ways that he showed his humility, that he humbled himself? Let's see if we can find the first one, which is in verse, uh, really six and seven. What are some ways that he humbled himself? He shows his humility. Yeah, before that even though. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. So what is that telling us? Now, we don't use the words like that typically. So I understand we've got to do some synthesis here. But this is a good translation. Let's think through this. What, did, what is the first way that Jesus revealed his humility? He was God and he, yeah, became man. Don't, don't just run past it. Oh, yeah, of course he did that. What if God asked you to become your cat or your dog? Would that be as humbling as God becoming man? No, not even close. What if God asked you to become, Javen has a snake. What is it, a a bald what? Bald python. It is the ugliest snake I've ever seen. Not dangerous at all, but it is ugly. Excuse me, Javen, my my opinion, okay. Um, Javen enjoys it. What if God asked you to become a snake? Would it be as humbling as God becoming man? God humbled himself to become a man. That's the deep humility that he exhibits for us. Good. So he became a man, and we mentioned the second one. The second thing is he became a servant. Mark 10, verse 45 says, Even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. When Jesus came down from heaven, it would have made sense for him to say, Okay, I'm the Son of God. Jesus says, I'm God's Son. You guys need to serve me. That would have made sense. But Jesus says, I didn't come down to be served. I didn't come down to demand people meet my needs. I came down to serve and to meet the needs of others. Again, great humility. What's the third way we see him humble himself? We we can say he was made in the likeness of man. That's fine. We sort of covered that earlier. So let's go on to the next one. What else did he do? He became what? Obedient. Again, it's not hard to be obedient when you agree with what you've been told to do. 
But imagine, this is not the issue we have here. It's not the issue we have here. But imagine that you're asked to do something you don't want to do. That's when it takes humility. To submit yourself to your authority and say, this is what God, through my authority, has asked me to do, so I'm going to do it. Now, in this case, Jesus, God the Son, was not in conflict with God the Father's will. If you missed that discussion, it was in Jesse's class this morning, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was a good one. Um, but he did have to humble himself to become obedient. And not only obedient, but obedient to what degree? What does the verse tell us? To what degree did he become obedient? To death. Even the death of the cross. So I want you to understand the deep humility that Jesus has, because what God is saying to us is, I want you to have the mind of Christ. And one aspect of that mind of Christ you're going to have, not the only thing, but the one key aspect is humility. You have to humble yourself. Now, what stands, what stands in the way of us being humble? What are some of the enemies to humility that we face as human beings? Pride. Let's start, yeah, pride, yeah. Let's break that down. What are some ways that pride, what are some evidences of pride trying to rear its head in the Christian's life? Yes, Nan? Um, yeah, I want to be in control. Yeah, control, you're right. You, you, I, boy, control. That's a whole sermon in itself. But if you are a control person, boy, that's so hard to let go and say, okay, God, I, I'm going to trust you with this. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I'm going to be obedient, but I'm going to let you work out the details. Because what we want to do is we want to work out the details. When you get angry and frustrated or hurt because you sense that you're losing control, that is a evidence that that head of pride is rearing up in your life and saying, you ought to be able to make these choices. You ought to be able to control these things. Remember, we have the mind of Christ who humbled himself. Good answer. I think there was another. Yes, Caleb. Yeah. Yeah. We want, we want the, you know, we want to be behind the pulpit, right? I know Billy doesn't, but most of us, you know, we like to be behind the pulpit here. We want people to recognize us. Hey, we want people to say, hey, good job. Marisa, good job with the food fellowship today, right? We all, that's, that feels good. And there's nothing wrong with honoring people who deserve honor. But if I get upset because I don't get honored, I've worked hard. I did the job. Maybe I went on beyond and above. And then I get overlooked and I feel like, man, they don't care about me. They don't honor me. That's pride. And they probably should honor you. Don't miss the point. But that's pride sneaking its head up saying, hey, you deserve to be honored. And we just have to remember, we have the mind of Christ. We humble ourselves. Good. What, what other th things? Patty. Yeah, I didn't even think of that one. That's a good one. Complaining. So often our complaints are because we are not being treated the way we expect or think we ought to be treated. And so we complain. Again, examine your heart. If it's pride, we have the mind of Christ who humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Good. What's another one? I'm looking for something in particular. Guillermo? Yeah. Right. 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 You're right. Can I tease you a little bit again? Everyone else gives two or three word answers. Guillermo speaks in paragraphs. You notice that? That's good. 
He's right though. It's easy, pride, it's easy when people love us and people like us, we feel like we fit in. But what about the times we feel like we don't fit in? When people don't like us, we've just shared the gospel with someone and they're glaring at us. You know, okay, fine. You, I, I, we gotta be careful that we're loving everyone regardless of their status, regardless of whether they like us or not, regardless of whether they see them, we see them as friends or enemies. We're even called to love our enemies. So whenever we feel that, I'm not going to love that person. I don't like them or they don't like me. That's pride sneaking up. Sheila, you had something. Yes, yes. Discrimination, we call it respect of persons. I like this person because they're tall or short or because they're rich or poor or because they're this ethnicity or that ethnicity or they're old or they're young, right? There's so many ways we can improperly Show respect, well, show respect to persons, which is always improper. I was going to say improperly something else. We never want to show respect to persons. Let's follow that up with what's another evidence of pride that's very common in our lives that has to do with respect to persons or similar. Sarah. Yeah, yeah. Only by pride cometh contention. So when there's conflict in my family, I examine my heart. Now, is this because I'm being proud? And I have to have my way? Is this because I think that I deserve to make this decision? Whatever it is. It could be pride sneaking its head up. Marisa. Better, Better, yes. That feeling of smug superiority. Right? Now, I, I wanted to get here because I'm convinced that this is a big problem for us more than we realize. You won't realize it until you see the drunk guy staggering down the street. And you think, I'd never be like that. Well, it's true by God's grace is given freedom for that, but it's not because I'm a better person than him. It's because God's grace, right? It's when you see a couple and they're fighting, you know, a husband and wife and they're having all kinds of marital issues and they're about ready to kill each other. And you think, boy, my, my marriage would never be like that. Well, praise the Lord. It's not, but it's not because you're a better person than them. It's because of God's grace. And the reason I point this out is the Bible says that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And so when I start to feel like, boy, I'm, those people over there are losers. They're Christian losers. I'm better than they are. That's pride sneaking its head up, right? Don't, don't do that. Nan, you had another one. Um, or maybe a similar one. You made me think of personal rights that verse says, for you're bought with a price, you're yep. not your own. Yeah, you're not your own. You're bought with a price. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which you have in you? And I think I just messed that verse up. And you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify your God in your body and in your spirits, which are God's. I think that's how it goes. You can look it up. 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 18 through 20. So, Nan, yes, that's right. So when we are struggling with pride, how is that um, exhibited? Uh, our right. Yeah, having our rights. Good, yeah. Americans, we love our rights, don't we? We have a right to free speech. We have a right. I'm going to show you this one. We have a right to bear arms, right? I told, I told Michael, uh, Michael uh, David that one time, you can't roll your sleeves. I have a right to bear arms, right? We have our rights. Now, I'm joking about constitutional rights. We do have those constitutional rights, praise the Lord. But Nan and I are thinking more about the rights we insist on having in our families, right? I'm the father. I have a right to have a meal on the table when I say. Really? I don't know that that's in the Bible anyway. 
You know, I have a right for my kids to run to the door and say, Daddy's home every time I come home. Carly said that's not what happens at her house. The dog runs to the door, right? <laughs> we all think we have our rights. And so when I feel like, boy, I have this right, I'm being mistreated. This is unjust. Watch out. Could be pride. And if we're going to have the mind of Christ, we have to be humble. Now, let's see where that humble, that humility led Jesus. First in verse 7, made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. What's the first thing he did after his incarnation? What's the first thing he did in order to exhibit humility? Yes, he did. And to exhibit that humility, he... He became a man and he, he served, didn't he? He served. So if I have the mind of Christ and I'm humble, what am I looking to do? Serve others. In my mind, I'm thinking, okay, how can I serve here? Now, the, the natural man, the, the flesh, my normal, ungodly, without God's grace self, wants to be served. You want to be served. Yeah, hallelujah is right. I want to be served. (laughs) But the mind of Christ has a humility that doesn't come to a church and say, serve me. Comes to the church and says, I want to serve. Doesn't come to my family and say, serve me. Says, I want to be served. If you're at home and you are, um, you say, well, how do I know? I mean, everyone has to work at the house. Okay, but are you keeping score at your house, who does what chores? And I don't mean because you're trying to help your children develop responsibility. I mean, you're thinking, I'm the husband, so I'm thinking, well, my wife does this, this, and this, but I do this, this, and this, I'm ahead. That's, that's pride. That's not service out of humility. That's service out of competition. And God doesn't call us to serve in some vain, in fact, it says, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Um, verse 3, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem better, other better than themselves. So when we're talking about service, we're not talking about service so I can say, well, I, I serve more than anybody at this church. That, that's pride. Yeah, you may be serving, but not, that's not humility in service. That's pride in service. Yeah, my house couldn't run without me. That's not humility in serving your family. That's pride. And Jesus didn't have that pride. He served with that humble spirit. What else did he do? Obedience, humility, the mind of Christ, that humility that Christ had will lead us to obedience as it led Jesus Christ to obedience. Now, let's just be frank here. Let's think about this. If God says, hey, um, Scott, I want you to, um, I'm going to pick on Marcus now, sell a car, okay? I think that car's worth a lot of money. I can't get a good value on that car, right? I'm not going to sell that car. I've got a better idea. What have I just said to God? Uh, Yeah, I've said a no because why? I'm not going to do that because I know better than you do, right? Humility doesn't say I know better than God knows. Humility says, God, oh, you want me to sell the car? That doesn't make sense to me, but if that's what you want me to do, and I use the sell of a car because it's a tangible object, there's a lot of things on a daily basis where God says, I want you to love your wife as Christ loved the church so that you do X. I say, well, wait a minute. What has she done for me recently? Is that humility? No. 
I say, you're right, Lord, I'm, I'm going to do that. You know what's interesting? If I focus on humbling myself and serving my family and being obedient and submissive to Christ, and my wife focuses on being humble and submitting to Jesus Christ and serving her family, there's not a whole lot of conflicts in the house. I mean, there's still some because we're still human beings and we're still sinful, but boy, that clears up a lot of problems. I don't worry. Most, most spouses, if they're struggling with each other, it's because the husband becomes more worried about what the wife does. The wife becomes more worried about what the husband does instead of having the mind of Christ and humbly serving and being obedient, submitted to what God's called us to do. Submission, when we're humble, submission comes easily. Because I know God knows better than I do. I'm in no place to tell God that I know better than he is, than he does. So the humility leads to a willingness to serve, it leads to obedience, and I, I skipped one there. It also leads to a willingness, verse 7, a willingness to be made low. Now, in Jesus' case, it was to leave the glories of heaven and come down and be born as a man and experience the indignities of earth. Frankly, that's, that's, that was what it means for Jesus. By analogy, what does it mean in our lives to humble ourselves so we're willing to be made low. And we've already talked about position here, God becoming man. I'm not thinking about position. I'm thinking about circumstances. What are some circumstances God might call the Christian to that feels like we're being made low? What are some circumstances, some situations God will say, hey, I'm going to take you from here where you like to be. And I'm going to put you down here where it's not so comfortable. And if we have a humble spirit, we can say, yep, I'm willing to be made low. Yes, Sh Sheila. Wash feet. Yeah, washing people's feet. Yeah. Now, we don't practice foot washing as an as a, as a ordinance here at Elmira Baptist Church. I don't believe it to be an ordinance. But one of the ways we wash people's feet is to serve people who are unlovely. Guillermo talked about that earlier. It's easy for me to serve someone I enjoy being with, right, and love. But in John 13, read the chapter carefully, Jesus washes Judas's feet, knowing that Judas is going to betray him. Now, if I was Jesus, in my flesh, I would have said, Judas, you get out of here first. I'm going to wash some feet, but I don't want to wash yours. You don't even love me. You just see me as a source of money. So one way that we're made low is when we serve others who don't even like us. They don't even love us. Maybe you have a neighbor who, because you're a Christian, treats you with disdain. You know, they take their, their dog droppings and they toss them over the fence into your yard. And then God calls you to serve them. And you say, sure, I'll pick up the dog doo-doo and throw it in their yard. No, that's not what God's calling you to do. But serving someone who doesn't like us, that's being made low, it feels like, in, in the American's mind. But Jesus was willing to do it. Jesus served people who betrayed him, people who hated him. When he fed 5,000, I'm sure there were detractors in that crowd. He didn't tell his disciples, okay, you feed those guys, but that whole group over there, they're the, they don't like me. They don't get anything. They just fed everybody. So sometimes being made low means serving someone whom we don't like. What's another circumstance or situation God might put us into, call, to, call us to, even though it feels like we're being made low? Ministry. Yeah, ministry. I'm spe thinking specifically of serving in another country. Now, some countries, Japan, boy, probably more advanced the United States. South Korea, it's a beautiful country. In fact, some, sometimes I wish I was living in South Korea. 
They have signs in English and Korean. It's, it's a great place. But there's a lot of countries that aren't like the United States. And I've had parents say to me, well, I don't want my child to be a missionary because they might get called too. Is that the humility? Is that the mind of Christ? Where I won't go here because, not just other countries, but think about inner city ministries in the United States. If God called one of us to go to minister in downtown San Francisco, that, that, that's hard. I, I hope God doesn't call me to that. that. That doesn't sound like a lot of fun. But if that's what God calls us to, the, the mind of Christ, the humble mind, is willing to be made low. Why? So that God is glorified. Not made low so that, yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm Christian number one. I'm, I'm made lower than anyone else. No, again, you know what? Our, our, our flesh loves that, to do the competition thing. Well, I'm better than Guillermo because I'm going to downtown San Francisco. Guillermo only goes to Fairfield. Guillermo brought a homeless guy today. Some of you know that joke. Okay. Seriously, we, we get this competition spirit where I'm, I'm lower than this guy, so I'm better. That isn't the mind of Christ either. When we humble ourselves and God puts us in a low spot, we don't use that as our, I'm, I'm winning the game card. That's not humility. There's a willingness to be made low. There's a willingness to die. Even a willingness to die a painful death. Some of you know of, or maybe you know well, the, the story of John and Betty Stamm, missionaries in China about 100 years ago now, before the communists had completely taken over the country. It was still nationalist China, as we call it. Chiang Kai-shek was in charge or somebody, Sun Yat-sen, somebody like that. And these folks were missionaries there with the China Inland Mission, husband and wife. They just had a new baby. Helen was her name. When the communists unexpectedly swept into town, captured the little town they were in, marched them out of it, and because they were Christians, of course, they threatened to kill them. And one of the Chinese doctors, one of the Chinese citizens, who's a doctor, he said, I would like to sacrifice my life for theirs. If you'll kill, please kill me and let them go free. Now what the communists did, they said, fine, we'll kill you too. And they killed him and the stamps. But there's a humility of mind that's willing to die in someone else's place. Now, I'll, I'll, frankly, I'll be just frank, uh, candid. You know this. This is not easy. What I'm talking about today is really easy to talk about up here. Really easy to preach. It's really hard to do for me. It's really hard to do. But we have to have the mind of Christ. So let me just suggest a couple things that you're going to do if you're going to develop the mind of Christ. First of all, you have to develop and work at humility. God gives us enough grace to humble ourselves just like Jesus was humble. Recognize those times when pride's head is sticking up when the flesh is coming along and whispering in your ear and saying, you're better than that. When, 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 the, when the tempter comes and he says, you know, you're just not getting enough recognition here. You need to go somewhere where they recognize your abilities. And ask God for the grace to say, no, I'm going to have the mind of Christ. I'm going to humble myself. There's a second thing that you're going to need to do if you're going to have the mind of Christ. And this is obvious 
You're going to saturate your soul with scripture. Because how can you think as Jesus Christ thought if you don't know the word? Jesus is the word. And the more you know the word, the more that your mind will think in the same patterns that Jesus thought in. Even Jesus' disciples struggled with this. You remember that uh, they were going through Samaria a second time, not when, when they went through and the, Jesus met the lady by, the, by the, uh, Jacob's well. They're going through another time through Samaria. And Jesus sent messengers ahead to the village to let them know that they'd be coming and asking for a place to stay. And the village basically said, nope, you are, you're Jews. You're not welcome to stay here. And John and James, they said, is now the time to call down fire from heaven like Elijah? Can we destroy these evil people? Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. Why? Because they hadn't saturated their mind with scripture. Now you say, well, that comes right from Elijah. I mean, Elijah called down fire and consumed the 50s. Yeah, but it was the wrong scripture. I think it's sometimes more dangerous to know a little bit of scripture poorly than a lot of scripture. Because we come to the wrong conclusion. Saturate your mind with scripture. Your Bible ought to be a delight to you. James 15, uh, Jeremiah 15, 16 says, Thy words were found and I did eat them and they were the delight and rejoicing of my soul. Saturate your mind with scripture. Meditate on scripture. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Psalm 119, 97 Psalm 119, 103, how sweet are thy words unto my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Spend a lot of time in prayer in addition to developing humility and, and, and recognizing pride, asking God for the grace to get rid of the pride in your life. And second, saturating your soul with scripture. Here's the third thing, prayer as fellowship. Not prayer as a list of things you need God to do for you. By the way, I have a list of things I need God to do. But that's not the type of prayer I'm talking about. In your own mind, you know your own prayer life. Compare how much time you spend in prayer praising God, thanking God, asking God to search you, confessing sin, and how much time you spend with that list of things you want God to do. Again, there's going to be things you need God to do. I'm not saying don't pray for those things, but we ought to spend a lot of time just thanking Him for, for His goodness and praising him for who he is and asking him to work on me and God cleanse me and search me. And oh yeah, you're right. I did say that the other day and that was harsh. Forgive me. And I did think that and that was hateful and forgive me. We need to spend more time over here and less time just telling God what we want. That's prayer is fellowship. That's how we develop the mind of Christ because you know what he does? He starts to change the way our mind thinks. Sometimes I wonder at people, you know, you hear them, a Christian will say something and you'll think, how can they think that way? Well, if you spend most of your time watching television, watching movies, listening to the world's entertainment, reading the world's books, yeah, that, that's the way you're going to think. That's the patterns you put into your mind. That's the patterns that are going to come out of your mind. If you spend a lot of your time in God's word and prayer, expecting him to change you, you're going to find that that's what comes out. Prayer, not only, in, not only concentrated prayer, but that instant prayer. When there's a problem that we weren't anticipating, we say, okay, God, help me with this. I've got 15 seconds to make a decision here. I need wisdom. 
there's an injury or there's an illness that comes up suddenly, God, would you help me in this case to be calm and to be patient? And whatever your needs are, yes, tell God your needs, but have that um, spirit, that attitude that immediately goes to God when there's a problem. Because a, a lot of times problems crop up. I don't have the mind of Christ until I ask for it. I don't mean by that God withholds it from me. I mean, I have to think, okay, God, I need your help here because I'm not thinking right. I'll, I'll tell myself here, coming to church this morning, I was not thinking right. My wife was in the car with me. She's probably thinking, this guy's going to preach in a few hours? He better do some time, spend some time in prayer. I said, Lord, I, I took some time later. I said, Lord, I need your help. I know this is not the attitude you want me to have. Claim God's promise. We, 1 Corinthians 2.16, we have the mind of Christ. That's what God says. Here in Philippians, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Develop the mind of Christ. Young people, develop the mind of Christ. Don't wait until you're adults. Figure, oh, I'll be, you know, when I get to be an adult. When I get to be Billy's age. No, don't do that. Develop the mind of Christ the earlier you begin to develop the mind of Christ, the more concrete it is in your mind. The less you're led astray by false thinking that you develop over the years. If you're a fella, if you're a lady, develop the mind of Christ. Seek humility. Ask for God's grace to be humble. Saturate your mind with scripture. Prayer as fellowship, both concentrated prayer, instant prayer as fellowship. Are you developing the mind of Christ. Several times it was said today, my friends have noticed that I'm changed. That's God's work in our lives, changing us from the inside out. That work should continue all the time. I can have the mind of Christ more today than I did yesterday. By God's grace, I'm going to have it even better developed tomorrow and the following day and the following day. Work on developing the mind of Christ. Father, thank you for these testimonies. They were a great blessing to me personally. To be reminded that you are at work at Elmira Baptist Church. And Lord, we don't, we don't deny that you're at work. We're asking you would increase the speed at which you work in our church. We're asking that you would give us more people saved and baptized and discipled. We're asking that you'd give me and us a greater heart for sanctification. We're asking that we could push out more of the evil we could push away more of the temptation, spend more time in your word, more time in prayer, more time fellowshipping with you. Father, alert us instantly when that evil pride pokes its head up, trying to claim that we're being treated unjustly or we're better than other people or, or, or we don't deserve this. or We have our rights. So many different ways that this evil pride pops up in our lives. Help us to recognize it instantly and claim your grace to put pride down and have the humble mind of Christ, to be willing to be, to willing to serve, willing to be made low, willing to be obedient, even under death. Father, we want to see you more glorified in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our community, in our state, in our nation. So we pray for that. We ask, Lord, that you would do this. Exalt yourself. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.